Thursday Finance with Barry Preston and we'll be taking a look at mortgage funds um, in just a moment. I've got a question for Barry. Commodities will be on the menu. Market snapshot with Henry Jennings and we'll take a look at estate planning with Lynn Lucas. To NURFM, it's a quarter past 12. It is Thursday Finance. Barry Preston joining me, Jane Klein. And Barry, mortgage funds, mm, just in the news at the moment, there's been a bit of a hiccup. Are they in fact safe? Look, um, if run properly, yes. However, when one invests in a mortgage fund, a lot of people focus on the rate of interest that they're going to receive, not the fundamentals of the mortgage fund. Now, some big mortgage funds were frozen over the global financial crisis. Why did they freeze? Because a lot of people placed their money in the mortgage fund and they were getting the interest regularly and so forth. But then when that hit the fan, the global financial crisis, uh, people got very panicky and wanted to withdraw their money. Now, you can't because a mortgage fund is just that, a mortgage. Just imagine a mortgage on a house. You can't sort of settle it up and sell the house immediately and satisfy the people who want their money. So there are <clears throat> restrictions but again, uh, it is up to the management. How good is the management? How heavily borrowed is the management? Uh, what sort of uh, – how do they lend the money? Uh, to give you an example, Perpetual uh, Monthly Income Fund is a mortgage fund, but they have very strict restrictions. They will not lend any more than 60% of the value, and the value's got to be done by proper valuers. They will not uh, lend that money um, in one sector in, say, Sydney. They'll spread it around the various states – and also they won't lend it into the same sort of type of building. So they're well managed. But even they had to freeze their fund. Nobody's going to lose any money. They're still getting it back slowly. Now, with a mortgage fund, this little one is in Victoria. It's a $150 million mortgage fund in the rural Victoria. It has frozen investment withdrawals. I would suggest that people have made a, a bit of a run on it. Somebody rumour might have started, and they're trying to get their money back. You can't because... That is it, a mortgage fund. All the money's tied up in mortgages. So when you say, are they safe? Yes. If you look into it, delve into it, find out, um, et cetera, what, you know, what their m margin of lending is, if it's up in the 80s and 90s, mm, I wouldn't put my money into it. That's my opinion. That's not a recommendation, but purely on basic fundamentals. As in the amount of money they lend per investment. Absolutely. Yep. So per it's and, mm. and where are they lending their money? Mm. I mean, uh, you probably wouldn't want to be uh, lending your money on a, a, a lettuce farm in the desert or something like that. You know, where is it being lent? Hmm. Barry Preston, time for our market snapshot. And you must always seek your own advice. And a product disclosure statement should be obtained and considered before obtaining a financial product. Staff associated with Pritchard and Partners and BBY Limited Stockbrokers may hold or trade shares in companies mentioned on this program. Pritchard's Financial Services Licence 246712 BBY 238095. Yesterday, Henry, the CPI's not negative but not positive. And then, of course, out came the Chinese PMI. What happened then? Well, the Chinese PMI, Barry, poor old uh, China seems to be going through a bit of a, uh, a bit of a sustained downturn with no real signs of, uh, of uh, stabilizing at the moment. The, uh, the, the flash PMI, or the not-so-flash PMI, yesterday came in around 47.7, which is anything below 50 shows uh, a contraction in the market, and this was a little bit of a shock. So all our good work early yesterday was somewhat undone uh, by that, uh, that Chinese number. Can I, can I just ask what PMI is? Uh, it's a purchasing manufacturer's index. So it's like a, 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 like a, um, a measure of economic activity, not, not, uh, not quite the same as GDP, but it just sort of shows how much is going on in their economy. 
the Reserve Bank. What do you reckon next week? No change. I don't think there'll be any change either. No. I think they've done their bit, yeah. and I think it's up to uh, the politicians around, <laughs> uh, to, to do their bit now. But I think, uh, you know, that there, there is a danger that if, if they cause too much of uh, a pandemonium um, in the, uh, the Aussie dollar going lower, that it will actually feed through into inflation. And although those inflation numbers we saw yesterday were relatively benign, the core was a little bit worse yes. than uh, mm. the, uh, the RBA would like. And also don't forget that that inflation rate of 24 actually bears no relationship to reality, which for most people is that everything's getting very, very expensive. And you only <laughs> right. look at uh, petrol prices or prices of insuring your car or mm. medical insurance or school fees. It's all not going up by 2.4%, that's for sure. Uh, and I did uh, interview them, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, and once upon a time they said that nylon stockings were a part of the CPI. So Yeah, how many of those do you buy, Barry? I... Well, let's not talk about that. Um, the, <laughs> the reporting season is in the starting blocks. Any comments? Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're sort of under, under starters' orders at the moment. We're still in what they call the confession season, um, and we have seen uh, one or two uh, companies come out recently and confess their sins before we start the reporting season, but I suspect we're going to get a lot of um, commentary about challenging times, <laughs> um, cost-cutting, um, you know, doing well, consi- all things considered, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not expecting great shakes, but I think the market also is probably not expecting great shakes either. You know, even though we hear some negative news on iron ore, uh, Fortescue and Atlas Iron shipped some big numbers and tonnages of iron ore. They did. These guys are making hay while the sun shines. And a a lot of people have uh, been sort of uh, predicting the death of iron ore for some time, a bit like um, the Oscar Wilde comments about death. Um, And it doesn't seem to have happened yet. In fact, the iron ore price has been doing pretty well over the last few months, and it's up to sort of 132. Um, A lot of people still have, um, you know, sub-$100 iron ore in their models. And these iron ore companies, the BHPs, the Rios, the uh, Atlas, the Fortescues, are all shipping huge... Huge amounts of iron ore still at pretty good prices. And don't forget the dollar being at 92 cents does make their earnings quite uh, good. So they're all building up quite a big cash pile at the moment. So it's good news, I guess, for our iron ore industry. Phosagenics had some accounting woes. Seems like somebody might have left the cash register open here. Yes, it's it's a bit of a strange one. The um, the CEO has uh, has gone, um, fallen on her sword after discovering a five point seven million dollar hole in the company accounts over the last eight years, which does beggar a few questions, I guess, in that uh, one is where all the money's gone, but also how come the auditors have taken all this time to actually find out that they are, uh, they're nearly $6 million short of where they thought they were going to be. So, um, yeah, someone's um, fallen asleep at the wheel, and, or maybe there's been some serious dishonesty at, uh, at work. As I say, the more educated we become anyway, that's another story. Come on, Metcash, what's happening with these Coles and Woolworths petrol vouchers? Metcash is not happy. <laughs> Well, I can understand Metcash not being happy. Coles and Woolies have pretty much got the petrol market by the uh, the proverbial. They've also got uh, you know a massive dominance in the grocery market as well. And what we've seen is, is some pretty spectacular rises in uh, in the petrol price in the last uh, month or so. But coupled with that, we've also seen some pretty spectacular coupon giveaways um, from Woolies and Coles in terms of money off your petrol. So um, Metcash are drawing some uh, some conclusions to this that. Maybe they've jacked the price of petrol up and then issued these uh, sort of loyalty uh, coupons for people that shop at their stores.
was you know 17 to 20 cents a litre off um, but having jacked up the price by 17 to 20 cents a litre in the first place so they're not happy Mm, interesting Uh, a new chief finance and strategy for the national australia bank i believe he comes from the bank of america merrill lynch a sign-on fee here we are this is a lot less than yours of course this is 6.5 million not bad is it no not bad just for turning up I'd be. I'd have done it for a little less, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, maybe six point four. But, uh, but yeah, certainly, uh, and uh, Craig Drummond is is quite a highly respected um, figure in the uh, in the broking industry. He's been around a long time, but um, seems a lot of money mm. as a sign-on fee. So there you mm. go. And then they're with professional footballers these days. Thursday finance. It's twenty-seven to one. And Barry Preston. We're in our market snapshot, taking a look look offshore. With Henry Jennings. Henry, how does the Dow Jones... I think the Dow Jones is following that movie, Reach for the Sky. Then if that's the case, look out Chicken Little because it just can't keep going up. Um, are you saying that it hasn't got the legs to go up? Yes. Uh, sorry, that's a Douglas Bader joke. Is it? Um, it's, it's Rich <laughs> the was about him, and he had no legs. Ah, that's right. Uh, the uh, the Dow continues to push higher. Um, interestingly, last night it had its worst night in a month, um, <laughs> and it was down twenty five points. <laughs> so it shows you how much uh, confidence, I guess, there is in the U.S. Despite the sort of lackluster profits that we have seen, they haven't been exactly punching the lights out. But the major thing that has been propelling the Dow higher is uh, Ben Bernanke's free money, which seems to be uh, seems to be continuing, and there's been no further talk of tapering in the uh, in the foreseeable future, well, at least in the next month or so. I tell you what has been very quiet. At one stage, there was a huge amount of talk on the de- on the uh, the Americans' uh, national debt. I think it was about sixteen point seven trillion. Where is it now? Does anyone know, or are they put yeah, it under the carpet? Still, pretty much the same, I would imagine, Barry. Um, um, although their budget deficit is uh, coming down a little bit because their tax receipts are uh, are, are exceeding their expenditure, a lot wow. of it has to do with um, um, some of the refunds they're getting back from some of the companies they uh, took out during the uh, the GFC. So it's somewhat uh, somewhat false, I guess, at the moment. But I would imagine I haven't looked at their debt. There is a website you can look at their debt. I would imagine it's pretty much the same as it was when we last spoke about it. Now, Bed Bernanke, the US Fed chief, is he really looking for replacement? Now, I believe I believe my theory is it, watch the markets. If the new girl or guy is a hawk, the markets may not like it. Are we are we talking uh, Bob Hawk? Uh, no, 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 no. Sure, a chicken sure, hawk, sure. chicken hawk. Remember Chicken know. Little? <laughs> I'm sure Bob would love the job as uh, as Fed chief, but no, uh, it looks like Ben is sort of on his uh, his farewell tour at the moment. He's even missing out on the uh, the annual uh, talk fest at Jackson Hole, which is quite an important one uh, coming up in uh, September, I think. So he's washing his hair apparently. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the the current theory is that um, that Larry Summers will be uh, getting the from uh, Barack Obama to be the new Fed chief. It looked like Janet Yellen was in the box seat for a little while, um, but Larry could be the man. So lounge lizard Larry could be the man for the, the Fed job. So um, we'll wait and see, but uh, but uh, Bernanke looks to be on his way out. Is uh, the gentleman you mentioned a hawk or a dove, or is he quiet, or is he aggressive? Uh, or um, I think he's relatively aggressive, but I would imagine that we won't see um, a massive change in policy for the, uh, the Fed, but I would certainly... S- think that maybe um, he will probably hasten the tapering um, rather than uh, prolong it. Mm. I, don't, I don't think he's into uh, creating the bubble for uh, forever. China's cracking down on new government office buildings for the next five years? Wow. Mm. 
Well, China, is, uh, as we, we spoke about earlier, is, is slowing down a little bit, but also um, the government is trying to uh, sort of change their economy and uh, put an end to some of the uh, the bubbles that it has created in terms of the property market and, and speculation, also the shadow banking industry that uh, has exploded in the last decade. So, um, I mean, this is another one of their moves towards austerity. We're certainly seeing austerity in Europe, and China seems to have uh, adopted a similar thing, and they are, as I say, trying to move their economy away from the bubbles and actually uh, uh, actually uh, stimulate economic growth without the bubbles. Tricky, though. Talking about stimulating economic growth, UK export activities improving up 42%, and I believe one of their exports, which is quite interesting. Yes, uh, I saw this yesterday, and I was quite staggered, but 25% of their food and uh, and uh, drink exports is actually whiskey, which is uh, is, uh, is obviously a big industry in the UK. Um, so, but we are certainly seeing signs of uh, of some sort of life in the UK market. It might just be that they're uh, all busy celebrating uh, uh, the Olympics, which uh, went pretty well for them last year. So there's a bit of a hangover from that, but also their recent success in uh, cricket, cycling, oh, righto, righto. Uh, and you name it. Oh, I, I, I won't mention it too much. And of course, there's the uh, the Royal Baby, which will uh, push the economy along as well, uh, for whatever reason, I'm not really sure why. I don't know whether I can say this or not, but it seems that the Greek cash economy is still doing well. They don't like credit cards, only cash. Now, is that right? It does appear that way. My uh, my beautiful daughter is is currently sunning herself in the Greek islands, um, and uh, certainly the news from the coalface is that most uh, restaurants, pubs, clubs, etc., um, don't seem to uh, accept credit cards still, and a lot of it is uh, the cash economy. Um, and as we know, that's one of the problems that Greece has had, in that it does seem to be quite uh, reluctant to uh, to pay tax to the uh, the government, and uh, that's why one of the reasons why they're in such a mess. So it doesn't seem to changed any I'm afraid. There was a bit of a turkey I believe that uh, they've decided Turkey should raise its interest rates. Yeah that's uh, interesting they, they, they had some issues with their uh, their currency uh, falling through the floor um, as, as your listeners will probably know that they've had some civil unrest recently and uh, the currency was one of the casualties so they've had to jack up their interest rates to, uh, to protect their currency a little bit so um, interesting that everybody else around the world is trying to get their currency down um, and to uh, and to uh, cut their rates whereas uh, Turkey which is quite a big economy these days and, and soon to be a part of Europe um, has been uh, doing the opposite. Mm, interesting Holland had a house price boom now it's boom apparently the household debt to income is something like 250 percent Holland yeah it's a, it's a orangey boom I think um, yeah, they did have a very big uh, house price push um, which seems to have come tumbling down a little bit um, and they do have uh, quite a big as you rightly point out uh, debt position which um, given they're one of the supposedly one of the strong people in Europe um, together with uh, France and Germany um, it's a little bit worrying especially as France has fallen into a massive hole in the last year or so um, and Germany although we are seeing some signs of life in the European economy still seems to be the uh, the only good point, I guess, apart from the Scandinavian countries. And with Holland, let's hope their economy doesn't go underwater. Well, I think it already is. Uh, there's a little boy there somewhere with his finger in a dike. <laughs> Henry, on behalf of everyone at 2NURFM and all our listeners, thank you very much indeed. Always keep, a pleasure, Barry. Keep safe. On 2NURFM at 14 minutes to 1.
Barry Preston, this is Finance, and we've got some estate planning. Some thoughts on that coming up. Certainly do. And we have Lynn Lucas, a local solicitor with over 20 years' experience in estate planning issues, now a consultant with Catherine Henry Partners of Newcastle. Lynn, one hears of wills, powers of attorney, and from the eyes of the young, it's an old person's strategy. And from the more mature, I must get around to it soon. Yes, I agree that estate planning is not a high priority for a lot of people and the latest stats are that probably only 50% of adults do have a will, Uh, very poor stats really, Uh, but I always recommend that my clients do have that estate planning package which is not only a will but a power of attorney and an appointment of enduring guardian and uh, they're probably the three most important documents that uh, a person will sign in their life. And uh, the will, of course, doesn't come into effect until a person dies, but the power of attorney and enduring guardian are effective while you're alive. And uh, I look at them as being like insurance policies. You hope you're never going to have to use them, but if the time comes that you do, you and your family are very relieved they're in place. You know, many comments I've heard about estate planning, the word estate sometimes spooks people. Uh, Some think I think of uh, of the word death, but one should... uh, uh, you know, also hear that when I go, I'll leave my estate, etc., etc. But one should have an estate plan, as you said, and and the will, of course, but other documents too. Now, mm. is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I agree with you. A lot of people are worried about making a will. Some think that, um, oh, I'm going to die as soon as I make one. <laughs> but the, the consequences of not having a will is something that you would take into consideration as well because if you don't have a will, you're said to die intestate and the law then says who your assets are going to pass on to. Um, it could even be, in some circumstances, a relative that you don't like, haven't spoken to in years. <laughs> so mm. it... Um, um, and, and it's also an expensive process too if you, if you don't have a will because you've got to prove uh, who the beneficiaries are who are going to benefit for the estate and there could be uh, claims made against the estate by people who think they should have been provided for. So it can become very expensive and a very lengthy process. So it's, it's really just such a simple thing mm. to do a will to make it much more simple for those that are left behind. So it's not a complicated process? I don't think it is. I try to make it as simple and as easy as possible. I firstly talk to clients and discuss their assets and the family that they've had and we talk about options and everyone's circumstances are different so I try to tailor the will to those circumstances while while keeping it as simple as possible just covering um, a whole lot of uh, circumstances that may happen. But you know I don't need a will I mean I haven't got much in in assets I mean I've got a bit of super and uh, etc etc but then again when I think about it I may have superannuation with insurance in it I've got a car and I've got a share in a house so yeah it's different isn't it Oh, look, you're quite right. And and many young people uh, say, I don't have any assets, I don't have to have a will. But many of those young people uh, have superannuation benefits and there's a death benefit attached to most policies. And they can be quite substantial. 
So, you know, while I try to keep the wills um, as simple as possible, I do that for younger people because they're, they're not as complex. Sometimes they, uh, they're not married, they don't have children. Uh, it's, it's a matter of benefiting parents or other family members. And um, I also talk to people about setting up testamentary trusts in their wills. Mm-hmm. It depends on what their assets are, but a testamentary trust can often minimise income tax and capital gains tax. Interesting. Now, look, maybe some questions I should ask myself. I, I really don't know, you know, I don't know where to start. Uh, who inherits my assets? Who runs the show when I'm gone? And how do they, they do that? Uh, so where do I go from here? Well, you, you have to think of a person who's going to be a suitable executor for mm-hmm. a start. Now, it, it might be a spouse or a partner or it might be um, a close relative that you trust. But most clients wish to make provision first for their spouse or their partner, and that's, that's really a moral obligation, uh, or their children uh, if, if their spouse dies before them. And um, some single people may wish to benefit other family members. Sometimes there are people who don't have close family, but they would like to give their estate to a charity. So the person, the executor is the person that administers the estate. So they're the one that goes along to see the the lawyer, uh, finds out what the assets are, and the lawyer will then explain the process to them and uh, and hold their hand while while they go through that process and then collect the assets and distribute them uh, to the beneficiaries when all that's that's done. So that that's just a nutshell, mm-hmm. um, and it probably sounds pretty complicated, but lawyers do these things all the time and they can help the executor through that procedure. Uh, I've heard that I can set up a will and leave some money to my children, grandchildren, but whoops, they're too young at the moment. Mm, That's not a problem. Uh, You can do it either by way of a a testamentary trust where trusts are set up uh, for your own children, uh, but of course the beneficiaries of those trusts can be the grandchildren as well. That's one way of doing it. Uh, Or if you just make a straight-out legacy to a minor, then the executor becomes a trustee and they have to look after that uh, probably cash asset and uh, it's usually invested. But the executor does have the discretion to distribute funds for that child if it's required for their maintenance or education or advancement before they turn 18 if that's necessary. To a new RFM Thursday Finance and Barry Preston Estate Planning. That's what we're on about today with Lynn Lucas. Most, most important. And Lynn's a local solicitor with many years' experience and is the consultant with Catherine Henry Partners of Newcastle. Now, look, Lynn, it's a very simple will. I'm going to leave everything to my wife and I'm going to do the will myself. Is that a good idea? Uh, No. Oh. (laughs) Well, what do you mean, not not leaving it to my wife? (laughs) No. Not unless you're a, you're a, a trained lawyer. I wouldn't uh, really attempt to do your own will. But certainly if it's a simple will, and I, as I say, I try to keep them as simple as possible, but that's usual for a couple to leave all the assets to your wife. But there should then be provision made for alternate beneficiaries if, if one partner dies or something happens to the two of you at the one time. Mm. And um, so my advice always to clients is regularly review your will. 
Talk to your lawyer if those circumstances have changed and, and if it's no longer adequate or relevant. Too many people have their wills drafted, signed and pop them into a drawer and think, that's done, don't have to worry about that anymore for years. But life's not that simple these days and uh, things change very quickly. We can't see around corners. We don't know what's in the future for us. So very, very wise to uh, update your wills when necessary. An old man time has caught us, and I don't want to make it uh, very quick this time, but what I'd like to do is get you back, and I want to talk about the powers of attorney, which are most important. So what we're going to do is call you back at another time to talk about these powers of attorney. Happy to do that? Very happy to do that. Thank you. Lynn, on behalf of everyone at 2NURFM, thank you very much indeed. We'll see you soon about powers of attorney. Thank you again. Thank you, Lynn Lucas. And that brings us to the end of finance today. Thank you, Barry Preston. Thank you very much indeed, everybody, and keep safe. See you next week. 2NURFM 103.7.